Blog Talk Radio. Hello, it's Rebecca Maida here, Zelina, the Wicked Witch of the West, and you are listening to Once Upon a Fan Podcast. Enjoy, because it's wicked. the welcome. I have a frog caught in my throat. Ashley, can you greet everybody while I cough? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. I am our illustrious coast to coast, coast to coast. Actually, more coast to coast, but we'll get to that in a minute. I am our illustrious co-host, Wicked Always Wins, and I am joined by... Uh, You are joined by Powerful Magic. Yes, that's the name I'm playing with. Name I've chosen for tonight's podcast. Welcome welcome to the show, everyone. (laughs) We're happy to have you here. Um, Hi, Maggie. Hi, Ray in the chat room. Greetings to everyone listening live, and greetings to everybody else as well who um, will be listening to this afterwards. Maggie replies, Ashley, that love doesn't stand a chance. She encounters your wicked always wounds. The love doesn't stand a chance. I have um, so, <laughs> so here we are. Here we are. So we're going to go ahead and kick off our podcast with the latest news. There wasn't really that much news. Nothing really happened <laughs> this week. Exactly. No, God, no. <laughs> no, God. Um, I can't think of anything major. Yeah. Well, guys, sarcasm aside, Jennifer Morrison announced yesterday that she will be leaving Once Upon a Time at the end of the current season. She has agreed to return to Once Upon a Time for one, count them, one episode of the seventh season, and that has been negotiated to be the season premiere, and so far that's all. If, um, if we have a seventh season, too, it should be important to note that if we have a seventh Yeah, she noted that as well. Um, she gave several interviews about this topic, um, about the subject. She gave one to Entertainment Weekly. She gave one to TV Line, um, who I thought was putting out their second one today, their other half, but I may have missed it. Um, it may be out there in the world. Anyways, we're going to go ahead and discuss this. First things that I want to do, I want to read some of what Jen said, the statements that she made in these interviews, um, because she is speaking for herself in these, and, and, you know, we can sit here and question and wonder and things, but, um, yeah, we're going to get into this. So first up is her interview with Entertainment Weekly where they asked, quote, what came with the decision to leave? And she said... Obviously, any decision like this is really tricky because I care tremendously about the show and about everyone involved in the show. I love being there, but six years is a very long time. I did six years on House, and then I did a year on How I Met Your Mother, and then I did six years on Once Upon a Time. I needed personally to move on to new things. It was just time. I needed to be not living away from home, so far from home. I feel like I'm at home in New York and Los Angeles, so I wanted to sleep in my own beds and be by my family and friends and have a life again. 
It was just time personally and professionally to step away when my contract was done. She also goes on to say that she has a fierce loyalty to the show and a fierce loyalty to the character. And when they came to her and it looked positive that the show could have a season seven and HBO or HBO, ABC reached out with an official offer. No. Um, Adam and Eddie came up with storylines that they felt would work for season seven, gave general strokes, but they didn't get too deeply into the storyline because she already had an idea that she wasn't going to be staying. So she didn't want to have that conversation with them. Um, she also said it's bittersweet on both sides and it's a safe become a family. She knew the right thing for her was to move on. There's no bad blood, all partying as friends, all security about each other very much, no drama. Um, and there's a lot. She talks about her feelings about Emma and any regrets that she has, what's next for her. Um, she worked on a film called Assassination Nation. She's playing, she played Callie Mercer in Backroads, which is Alex Pettifer's directed debut, and he's starring in it. Um, she's currently doing The End of Longing, which is the play, the off-Broadway play with Matthew Perry at the MMC Theater in New York, which we have told you guys about previously on the podcast. <clears throat> and she's not allowed to say which festival yet because they haven't announced it, but Sundogs is going to be premiering one of the major festivals in the next few months, so she will be participating in the premiere of that. Um, she's not sure after that. She's looking to transition more to directing, and she will always act, but it's a priority to find the next feature that she wants to direct. Um, she also told TV Line a couple of things. Um, let me see here, just reading some of this. Yeah, they're quite lengthy they interviews. I appreciate that she, yeah. she spent so much time kind of unpacking all of this. Yeah, I've always appreciated the fact that Jen likes to give longer answers in her interviews because, um, yeah. It's it's just I've always appreciated that about her. Um, she said that they never pitched her a story. She never declined anything. It was just a personal decision. But she did feel like Emma had reached a really beautiful place, and we were coming to the very natural culmination of her story with the musical episode. She said that's what I, that's always what I've hoped for for her. Okay, so that's always what I've hoped for for her that we could take her on this journey where she has had ups and downs where she's had to fight very hard not only to protect her family and herself, but also to be vulnerable and open to be a better version of herself. I feel like she's really reached a new place in her life in a way that felt like a good place to leave her. And then they mentioned this, too. Of course, a lot of her readership this morning has said, no, Emma, no, Jen, no once for, and I think it's going to say for us, and she interrupts and says, I hope that's not true. I have no interest in this being the end of the show. I care about everybody involved so much. I want to see it continue, and I really meant it when I saw it on Instagram. But I will watch the show, and I hope everybody watches with me. It's very sweet, the loyalty. And then he said, their reaction may have been in part due to the roller coaster they've been on in the past 16 hours. They get the wedding, the musical, and then this. Um, she did say that this information was in the world, and it was going to come out sooner rather than later, and they wanted it to come from the production team, not come from a source that they had to confirm or deny, or excuse me, decline. She felt strongly that it should come from all of them because – they care about and appreciate the fan base. It would have been lovely to have waited until after the season finale in certain ways in terms of the storytelling, but I felt like we wanted it to come from us. The season finale was like, she thinks that the season finale was already written 
after they, she had told them about her decision. She also says specifically the show still hasn't been picked up for season seven officially. So they had to write kind of not knowing if it was the end for everyone or not. So there was a delicate balance they had to keep, which she is impressed by and that she assures put a lot of pressure on them. Um, and that's really, that's pretty much it. There's a lot more of this, obviously, if you want to read it in full detail. Um, please head over to Entertainment Weekly as well as TV Line. Both of those websites have these interviews up where you can see it. Oh, I see. So next week is part two of Jennifer Morrison's exit interview with TV Line. Um, she'll be revisiting her favorite storylines. Um, sharing her leading man's reaction, oh God, reaction to her decisions. I hate the way that that's even phrased, and more. Um, so you can look forward to that next week after the finale, it looks like. But in the meantime, you can go ahead. It, like you haven't, y'all, if you're listening to this podcast, and I know that y'all probably already read those interviews, but just in case you didn't, go ahead and pull them up. TVLine.com, once upon a time. <laughs> once upon a time. Jesus. EntertainmentWeekly.com. Sitting here looking at the the title of the tab that I'm on in Chrome. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. So that's what she had to say. Um, <sighs> yeah, so that's what she had to say. I'm just exhausted from reading all of that, frankly, because that's a she. Good lord. Um, she also said somewhere else in another interview that I saw that, and I can't remember where it is, and I can't find it. Google is failing me. But she made a comment about the fact that because of the fact that she was traveling so much to um, New York and Los Angeles from, you know, Vancouver, where she was filming once, that she was taking upwards of 100 flights a year. Um, that's, that's insane. Lot. That's insane. So that I know for sure that she did say that somewhere. And please forgive me for not citing the source. Um, but it is out there somewhere. Um, so, yeah, that's what Jen had to say about everything. Now, I actually have quite a bit to say about this. Probably not what you expect. Oh, thank you to those of you who tuned into my live stream yesterday and even those of you who did it later um, talking about this. And thank you as well to tuning into the periscoping videos that we did with the that I did with excuse me with the Once Upon a Time rock opera spoof cast crew director writer vision goddess Aaron Segman <laughs> Morero. Um, so yeah, thanks to everybody for tuning into that. But if you did watch that video yesterday, or even if you go to my feed and pull it up and watch it after the fact, I've had a very major perspective change, um, which. You don't have to get into detail about it, but I think Ashley can affirm that it's a very much a 180. Um, and I look forward to discussing why that is. But for now, since I'm going to be talking a lot about this, I want to actually start with you, Ash, and find out what your thoughts are on it, um, because I suspect that I will be the windbag of the two of us. <laughs> well, I, Emma is very near and dear to your heart. Um, I think, well, because, uh, you know, East Coast Central time. I was up before you, and I remember seeing it. I woke up, and I usually kind of check Twitter to see what's going on, like when I'm on the train, and I saw the post, and I was just like, oh, 
year. And then I opened it up and sure enough, there was everything there. And I was already starting to see some reactions from fans. Um, and I have to say, I'm kind of proud of the fan base because I stupidly looked at the comments on the post and everyone, you know, there was some melancholy, but for the most part, everyone was like, you do you, Jen, like you, you know, go on to the next thing where your fans were going to support you. And that was really nice to see. I didn't see anybody be right, PG-13 shitty about anything, at least not initially. And I'm glad that I have a tailored my feed to follow some wonderful folks that have a good perspective on things. Um, getting to my, my actual reaction, I wasn't, uh, it wasn't as volatile as I expected it to be, to be perfectly honest. And I think that's because it came off the heels of the musical episode where we're seeing a culmination of Emma's story. It doesn't feel like too many loose ends are hanging. I don't feel robbed of anything. And Jen was right. I mean, six years is a very long time to, you know, spend with one character. And she, again, has had her ups and downs, the character, I mean. Um, so I guess my feeling is is that it, it, it's time. Like, I support that decision. Uh, Jennifer Morrison had that time. It, it Things, you know, and, and we've discussed, you know, at different points on this podcast that, Things are winding down. Things are feeling different, this, that, and the other. So I feel as if I'm at peace with Emma Swan. Or, yeah, Emma Swan, I guess, not being a part of Once Upon a Time anymore. However, I do truly feel that you kind of can't have Once Upon a Time without Emma. She is the keystone to the show, you know, the catalyst. So in my opinion, I feel as if I'd rather wrap season six and have a good, strong, you know, goodbye with everybody as opposed to going into a season seven and then trying to explain why Emma isn't there. Because I'm telling you this right now, killing off Emma Swan is so not an option. Uh, we are not even, that's not even up for discussion. It's just like you, yeah, no. Um, so kind of coming up with an excuse to why Emma Swan isn't on Once Upon a Time anymore, it would be very unsatisfying. It would be kind of like, and I actually didn't even watch this season, but you know, you often hear about like the last season, the final season of Scrubs that nobody ever talks about because it was just like, they had wrapped everything up, thing up in a neat little bow and then they had this extraneous season and it was like very poorly received and I don't want that to happen to once upon a time like I know in a perfect world the show would go on forever but at the same time it's so cliched to say all good things come to an end but it's I use this metaphor when I talk to Zach it's kind of like when you know graduation is coming up and you're like oh geez what's going to happen next I don't want to you know I'm, I'm, I'm good here this is familiar I don't want to leave what I have going on. I feel like I have so much to do is this happened too soon. But then after you graduate, you don't want to be that guy who kind of hangs around high school, like all the time when you're in college, you don't want to be that guy. So that's kind of how I am viewing this 
right now. Um, I kind of wish we knew what was going on with season seven because I feel like that would help to inform my feelings better. Because right now, you know, it's, I guess it's so up in the air. It's like Jen saying, well, I'll come back if there's a season seven. Like, I feel like I would have different feelings if I knew there was a season seven as opposed to, well, I'm not coming back. Because part of me is like, well, if she's not coming back and there's no season season seven, there's really no conflict. But that's that. Um, But I just the idea of a season seven of once upon a time without Emma Swan is, is not appealing to me. I'll check it out. But for me, a lot of what I fell in love with was once the, the initial idea of fairy tales brought to a modern world was like, Ooh, intriguing. But what really solidified my love of the show is the characters and their interactions and their history and how we, you know, this, crazy extended family that like has its ups and downs and ridiculousness and we're watching them all kind of untangle and unpack all of their past histories and work towards their happy beginnings and to remove part of that equation would kind of be like a missing piece in a puzzle like it's just a glaring um a glaring spot something's definitely missing so I, I don't know. And, and this feels very different to when we found out that Jennifer Goodwin and Josh Dallas weren't going to be returning as well because Snow and Charming are more uh, tertiary characters or they have become that um, in regards to the story and Emma's story because their story has kind of, you know, we've got the beginning, middle, and end for them. We kind of talked about that in our Awake podcast. Um, so having, and here's the thing with them, if there's, if there's a season seven, I've heard there's always a possibility of return. So it's not like they're, you know, like no more ever at all, like, you know, popping up every once in a while, like, oh, hey, Snow and Charming, what up? Do you know what I mean? But it's a little different when it's Emma, because she's such a focus of the show. And she's such, like, she's so much, very much the heart of the show. So you can't be like, oh, yeah, remember, you know, the savior who is kind of, super important for six seasons so it's just I feel that uh, I, I support this decision in Jen's decision I think it was a, a good decision I understand a lot of people are very sad about it and I mean it, it is but it's it's not as if like you know, she's flipping the bird to the show. It's just time. It's time to close the book. You know, we're at the end of the book, like, you know, metaphorically and physically on the show. It's, it's just, it feels very much like it's graduation day and it's time. And if I, if I go on anymore, I'm going to start really rambling and making bad analogies. So why don't you take it, Zach? Okay. Get comfortable, everyone. First of all, um, I'm going to say that we ran a poll on Twitter. I ran three of them today. There are still, I like your poll. 
Thank you. Um, there are several hours left in the, um, on them. There's 14 hours left on two of them and 15 on the others because I forgot to set a time limit so that it would end before the show today, but I'd still be interested to see what the final result ends up being. So if you are listening to the show and you are not aware of that poll, then you can head on over to our Twitter page and vote on it there. Okay. The first one that I asked was, uh, once upon a time without Emma, and the options were I'll still watch, or I'll pass, or I need to see the finale first. And as of right now, 38% of you are voting for I'll still watch. Um, 34% of you say that you need to see the finale first, and 28% of you said that you would pass. Um, the next one that I asked was, if the mystery newcomers are adult Henry and his daughter, and Once Upon a Time focuses on Henry, his daughter, Regina, Rumpel, and Hook, will you watch? 41 of, 41% of you said, sounds interesting, sure. 38% of you voted that you need to see the finale first. 21% of you said that it's not Once Upon a Time without the Charming Family, which I took to include Emma. I just didn't have enough space on the options, so just want to let you know that. And finally, the last, the third and final question I asked was, is your attachment to Once Upon a Time founded in the fairy tale premise, meaning do you like Once Upon a Time because it's a show about fairy tales, or is it these specific characters and story and cast that has you watching? 59% of you voted that it was the specific cast of characters. 24% of you said that you love the premise. 17% of you said you weren't sure. Now, it's that not sure part of it about the emotional attachment to the show that I completely understand because that's actually the one that I cast my vote for because I voted in these as well. Um, under, not under, obviously, the podcast camera because you can't vote for your own poll, but um, I voted for it online. So can you vote on your I, very... I don't think you can. Um, I don't think you can, but I find it very interesting that the first two polls were as close as they were. I was expecting a lot, from what I've seen on my feed, I was expecting a lot mm-hmm. more disparity, even even in like a 10% difference. But they were both really close. Yeah, um, once upon a time without Emma, 38%. I'll still watch to 34%. I need to see the finale first. That's only a 4% difference. And then, you know, sounds interesting, sure, versus need to see the finale first. We've got 41 to 38, so that's a 3% difference um, about, you know, the focus of the show. I'm not surprised that the, you know, specific cast and characters is the leading answer on the third question. Um, Mm -hmm. Because that actually brings me to my larger point. So, like I said, get comfortable, have your hot chocolate with cocoa ready, tacos, whatever. Um... When I first heard the news yesterday, because literally what happened was I woke up, I turned on my cell phone because I had turned it off overnight for the first time ever. Um, I never, I basically turned my phone off to let it charge and then I fell asleep. Um, So it remained off. And I never leave my phone off at night because um, once you've been through certain things, you never ever want to have your phone turned off. So you want to always make sure you are available for a phone call. So, um, I'm always have it on. So when I woke up, I was like, oh, no, I left my phone off. And then I turned it on and it updated, you know, and did its thing. And then it immediately made a noise letting me know that I had a notification. 
And I looked, and it was Twitter letting me know that Jen, Jennifer Morrison, had sent out a tweet because I have her favorited. Um, and all I saw, just saw, you know, like when you pull the, the bar at the top of the phone down for your notifications, all it said was, in my six years on Once Upon a Time or whatever. And I just kind of like, I was still in bed. <laughs> and... I kind of had a moment where I was like, this is her saying whether or not she's on the show. And then I opened it. And of course, since it was on Twitter, it redirected me to Instagram. So I had to go through the whole, do I really want to click this thing twice? Um, (laughs) So that, that part was shitty. Um, Not a fan. Do not recommend. And then I looked at it and it said, you know, it got to the point where she said, asked, you know, after much consideration or whatever, well, I don't have the statement pulled up, but when it got to the point that it was right before she said what her decision was, I actually thought to myself, you don't have to keep reading because if you stop now, it won't be true. Um, because, you know, it's kind of like when Joey put the book in the freezer before he knew. It's like friends reference, anybody? Um, so, yeah. Um, I didn't know what to think about that. Truly didn't. And at first, I had the reaction that I'm sure many of you may have imagined that I have, which, you know, this is PG-13 for language, this podcast. So my reaction, first and foremost, was to say, well, shit. Um, Because that's definitely not what I wanted to hear, especially after we had heard all of the, you know, news reports about um, Emma and... um, or excuse me, Jennifer Morrison, Lana Perea, Colin O'Donohue, and Robert Carlyle being fought for renewal, you know, renegotiations. And I had assumed that, perhaps foolhardily, um, that she was going to continue on. Now, mind you, I've actually heard about, I had heard months ago, actually, truth be told, that, um, she wouldn't be coming back. But it was secondhand, and I certainly didn't want to put too much stock in it because it was secondhand, and I'm not going to know anything until they make anything official, right? So why am I going to listen to any of that? A little sad to hear that it was true. Um, so at first I was like, oh, shit. And I honestly, like, suddenly went into this weird, like, warning period because for me it was like – the show had been on kind of life support, but it was doing good and things had, you know, taken a turn for the better. And then she said she was leaving and suddenly it was like, oh, we've just taken a turn for the worse and it's like brain dead on life support and what do we do? <laughs> was kind of how it felt to me. That's probably a horrible analogy because um, I'm sure it's not that dire, it's not that dramatic, but uh, that that's the only one I've got right now. So it was really emotional and I was super sad and I went through the day, you know, whatever. And I actually had a moment where I, ha- I sent Ashley a message privately and let her know that when I got home, I was probably going to get upset. Um, and she so kindly let me know that it was okay to be upset about this, uh, which I really needed to hear in that moment. Um, well, that's true, man. And- 
It is true. Yeah, it is true because the show is very meaningful and Emma's the main character. Now, what I said on my live stream yesterday is that if you look at the pilot, the people that I consider to be um, the most important characters on the show are Emma, Henry, Snow, Charming, and Regina. And Rumpel is kind of the outlier at that point because he was just weird, creepy Rumpelstiltskin in a cell and he showed up at the end mm-hmm. to collect rent. So he, he was still like an outlier. He didn't have any significance that he has now or that he would develop later on in the season. So those five people are the most important. Now, they haven't made anything official as far as what's happening with the cast, but it's pretty much general acknowledged and accepted that, as Ashley said earlier, Josh Dallas and Jennifer Goodwin would not be coming back as regulars, but they'll probably guest star from time to time, um, which is fine. Um, you know, whatever. But they're leaving. So of the five people that I consider to be the primary characters, which are arguably the primary characters of the show from the pilot, and the reason why I'm referring to the pilot is because that's the episode that, you know, got me interested in the show. Like, I mean, that's the first one. So that's the reason why we all started watching, right? It was because the dynamic between Emma and Henry, the dynamic between Emma and Regina, the dynamics between Regina, Mary Margaret, and the dynamic between the evil queen, Prince Charming and Snow White, and how all of that mingled together, what all of that meant. You know, the other characters who were in the show, like the dwarves, Granny, Red, you know, Ar- Jiminy Cricket, Archie, you know, Marco, Geppetto, all of those people, um, they're important as well, but we all know that we're really invested in the family relationship and they're the main cast. So that's why they're going to be the base model for this. So out of those five, two of them are not going to be on the show. We knew that, you know, but still having Emma, Henry, and Regina on the show on a regular basis, on a full-time basis, still allowed for the essential family dynamic there of the, those two, you know, working together with Henry. Some of it would survive. Um, and it would be really fun to kind of see Henry maybe grow up a little bit and assist the two of them more, you know? Um, the, the story could have gone in all kinds of interesting ways. And then we heard rumors, which are still unconfirmed, that Jared Gilmore is not going to be coming back to the show next season. Yeah, I don't know and where that's that coming like, from, honestly. I haven't seen a source well, on that. I, I, I don't see a source on that either, but I honestly think it's coming from the speculation that Andrew J. West, who's coming to the show next week, um, as an as-yet-unrevealed character, is actually the adult Henry, because if you have adult Henry, then you have to get rid of teenage Henry. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of where people are going with that. That's not necessarily accurate, I think that's kind of where it comes from. But anyways, there's that speculation that he's not coming back, which, okay. And then Jen said that she's not coming back. So out of the five people, we know that at least three of them, one for sure, but probably, you know, at least three are not going to be on the show anymore. So the family dynamic has been reduced to Regina and Henry. Now, that her those those two characters being on the show as well as Rumpel and some of the others like characters if we kind of like if they kept Aladdin and Jasmine as we have speculated that they're going to do or if they make some of the other secondary characters more main characters um, more often and change it up that way something like that um, this isn't really happening right now. Um, 
your conscience calling? <laughs> it would be an interesting show. Are we really doing this? Um, at this point, I just kind of feel like uh, it took me right out of my freaking point, dude. Um, Was your? I, I think I feel like I know what you're kind of, you're teasing about where it would be an interesting show, but it wouldn't feel like the true Once Upon a Time. Is that it accurate or? Like Yes, it's not going to feel like once upon a time because, and that's kind of it goes back to the polling question: where is your investment lie? Because I actually asked about that, you know, to myself yesterday, and kind of the people who are watching um, on the live stream video that I did. Because I feel like if you're able to answer that question and kind of figure that out, then it kind of helps you figure out how to respond to the changes that are happening on the show. Because if your investment is in the characters you know, those specific characters, then the fact that so many of them are going to be gone might change the dynamic too much for you to enjoy the show the same way. And it just, if that's the reason, like if the reason why you're watching is has anything to do with snowing or Emma at all, not having them on the show, if, I mean, Emma is a lot of people's favorite character. She's certainly mine. Um, she's not everybody's favorite character, but she's a lot of people's favorite character. And even if she's not their ultimate favorite character, I think it's generally agreed upon that Emma is, like, the whole reason for the show. Mm-hmm. So having her get her happy beginning and get married and, you know, everything else, defeating the Black Fairy, fighting the final battle... That's that's kind of the end. Like that's the that's that's the end of the story. Um. So that that's you know that just logically that's what it is. Now, I also don't want the show to end, <laughs> but there's never going to be a good time for the show to end. We're never going to want this to be over. We're always going to want another season of Once Upon a Time. Those of us who are still with it, you know, keep watching. We're always going to want more. There's never going to be a good time to end it. There's never going to be. There's never a good time to say goodbye. You know, there's never. It, there's never. The timing always sucks. We're always going to want more. So if you ask all of us, of course we're going to say, yeah, I keep watching it. Which is, you know, kind of I think that's our immediate reaction, right? Is to say, yeah, I'll keep watching it. And depending on what they do with the finale next week, if they introduce a dynamic and compelling character and an interesting situation, it may be something that can succeed. I'm not completely counting it out that it can succeed. But I also feel like you have to come at certain things with compassion for your characters and compassion for your audience. And even a compassion for the own story that you're telling. And I'll pull a quote from Star Trek VI out, which I'm sure none of you have ever seen besides me and Ashley, but the quote is, <laughs> just because you can do a thing, it does not mean that you must do that thing. And just because we can continue the show doesn't necessarily mean that we should. The compassionate thing for these characters, in my opinion, what I would do if it was me, is I would let this be the end. I would give them all their happy endings, and I would let this be the end. 
I would want that for the character's sake because I've spent so much time writing them and creating them and speaking for them and figuring out their lives and who they are and working with the actors and designing their costumes and figuring out color and what it means and little, you know, working with the production design to work on what's in the background of the, of the apartment. Like, what do we fill it in with? Who are these people? What do they like? What do they collect What are their interests? What do they do in their downtime? If I spent six years of my life doing that, if it were me, I would want, I would want them to get their shot and just have it be done no matter what. And I think as a fan, that's what I want to see as well. Because you mentioned Scrubs in the last season of Scrubs. And how not a lot of people talk about that. There, I think that there are other shows where the final season, uh, it's just not up to par. Um, as much as I love Roseanne, because I absolutely love Roseanne, and you have no idea how much and how excited I am for a possible revival. But as much as I adore that show, and I think that the final episode, the finale, is brilliant. I truly do. Um, the final season itself is not that good, and it's generally agreed upon that the last season of Roseanne is not that good. It is generally agreed upon that the last season of Scrubs is not that good. Um, and I'm sure that there are other shows out there that I can't think of right now, but... I'm trying to think of some. Again, just because you because you can't do the thing, I mean, you should do the thing. Um, because, you know, I, what I would hate, because here's what, you, you know, there's always that adage of, you know, stop being afraid of what could go wrong and start being excited about what could go right, which is very true and accurate and something that everyone should do. But I think that in this case, they've created, I mean, no matter how much certain storylines are driven us crazy, like when, for me, when they killed Neil and when they put Emma with Hook and when they killed Robin Hood, um, you know, I, for me, those are, those are the three things that I, that I personally did not agree with the most. It doesn't take away from my general enjoyment of the show because I'm still here. I still love it. I'm still talking about it every week on a podcast. Um, still spending my time and energy and all that other stuff, you know, doing things. So there's whatever. I just, I would hate to see it continue and have it end in such a way as that it just diminishes the overall quality of the story. Even if it is telling a brand new chapter and doing something else, as long as it carries that name and has these people in this town it's once. I mean, it, it's one. It's the same thing. It's it's maybe a new chapter, but it's overall the same book. I thought of an example. Just now looking at my DVDs. Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with the, the show Community? No. Well, Community basically Community, you know, had a very oh, strong. Oh, I, think, oh, I just I just thought of one that I am familiar with, though The Office. Well, that's exactly it. When Michael Scott left, that's when I kind of stopped my office rewatch. Like I've seen all the episodes after he left. It was, it was not the same, and you could very much feel that there was a piece missing. That's a very good example. But the same thing with Community, where it had three strong seasons. The showrunner was fired, unfortunately, and they had kind of a couple of lackluster seasons even after the showrunner came back. And then it was canceled, and then it was revived on Yahoo!, online but at that point for various personal reasons some cast members couldn't return 
and they brought in new cast members. Like I absolutely adore Paget Brewster's character, Frankie Dart on it, but the sixth season, it didn't feel right. Like I watched it and it didn't feel like I was watching community anymore. And I do like the final episode. And I like the message it had and everything. And it was very, I, I cried. I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> but that's an example again of, when you lose core characters, it's very hard to keep going. On shows like Grey's Anatomy, where the cast is so big, you can keep going. But again, when the point why I stopped, when I stopped watching Grey's Anatomy was the plane episode, where you lost, a, and the aftermath, when you lost a couple of core characters as well. And then it was like, I... I don't care about these new people, even though they've been properly introduced. I don't care about them Mm -hmm. as much as I cared about the people who were with me from the start of the ride. But I'm really glad you brought up The Office because that is a really, really good example. Well, um, and, and, you know, I'm actually glad that you just brought that up, too, because it made me think of something I said on the live stream last night um, that I want to bring up today. So I promise that I'm almost done with this point, you guys, too, if you're getting sick of hearing about this point and you want to get to the episode discussion about the musical. We're getting there. I promise I'm almost done. Um, as far as what you just said with not being interested in the new characters, even though they've been properly introduced and so forth. For me, the reason why I think that Emma speaks for a lot, you know, speaks to a lot of people and why a lot of people either empathize with her character or she is their favorite character or whatever is because all of us at one point or another feel like an outsider in some way, right? Nobody ever goes through life feeling perfectly confident 100% of the time everywhere that they go, no matter how much they project otherwise. Nobody ever feels that way 100% of the time. Um, Everybody at some point feels a little bit lost, like they don't know which direction to go. They feel like they're searching for something or look like they're trying to find something, whether it's inside themselves or something, something outside. Like, you know, that's what we're, the deep, deep stuff about psychological issues can come into play. Actually, correct me if I'm wrong, but Things like addiction and so forth can be related to this issue. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, you know, that whole thing of the fact that everybody has that makes Emma more identifiable for everybody. It's easier for people, I think, to project themselves onto Emma's character because we all have some element of the outsider searching for something in us. We've all been that person. So it's not that hard to empathize with her on that level as far as being an orphan looking for her family. It's also not difficult to empathize with the Disney story because they are ingrained in our culture. And I don't care who you are. You've seen at least one Disney movie in your life. You at least (laughs) know who the hell all these characters are. So you relate to it on that level too. So you automatically have an emotional connection to these people, you know, because of the fairy tale thing. But the fact that she is a different kind of princess, that she's Snow White's daughter and also, like, doesn't really wear a dress, that's, that's what, well, in the beginning, that's what got her. I think, that, that's, I think that's why so many people responded to her, to her character. Um, not having that protagonist there that you can identify with, it doesn't matter if we've known these other characters for so long. Regina is a perfectly acceptable candidate for a main character of the show. One could go so far as to argue that she's kind of been the main character of the show for mm-hmm. a while. Um, 
one could also make the argument about hooks, same thing. Um, so that's another time. Uh, so, you know, as great as it is to have both of them on the new show, not Emma. And speaking of Hook, by the way, P.S., how can you have Emma just get married to Hook and then only have Hook on the show? I, I don't really want to get too far into the details on that because I have other points to make, but that's really confusing. Um, if I were, like, a Captain Swan fan, I would not be into that action whatsoever. Because um, isn't there a whole, like, it's Captain Swan. It's not Captain. Uh, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> Captain Captain. Yeah. Okay. Having said all of that, right, all of these things, like the discussion that I'm having now, everything that I'm saying now, vocalizing now, all of this, like, I went through this whole thought process yesterday. <laughs> like, these are all the things that went through my head. So I'm just kind of using the podcast as, like, therapy in a way of verbally working this out. Um, but also because it helped me come to a new realization, and it was actually the interviews that we spoke of earlier. And this is kind of where I'm going to start to wrap things up. Because as I said when I started, when I first heard the news, I started thinking about how this was going to affect me and how it was going to affect other people, how it was going to affect things. Like I wondered, you know, how is this going – what's this mean for the future of the show? What does this mean for, you know, San Diego Comic-Con? What does this mean for – other fans of the show that we would meet there and that we would talk to online, what does it mean for the podcast? What does it mean? What does it mean, right? Like, what does it mean for me? And I had to stop for a second because I read that interview again. The one that Jen, she said it in both of them. So I just want to reiterate this. She spent six years of her life under contract with House. She spent another year, which makes seven, with how, to, I met your, how I Met Your Mother. I will eventually be able to say that right without wanting to say how to get away with mother. Um, <laughs> so she spent seven years doing that, and then she's been under contract for the last six years and once upon a time, like she said, that's 13 years. Can you imagine not being able to live your life the way that you want fully and completely for 13 years, no matter how much you were pursuing everything that you want and all of your goals and dreams and aspirations in your career and what you want out of life. Can you imagine what that must be like? Just not being able to live your life the way that you want for 13 years, right? Like doing what you want. Now, add on to that the fact that you can't go anywhere without people wanting to take your picture and talk to you and stop you and touch you and hug you. And think about how many times you see her tagged in something on Twitter and how much general discussion is said about her. And I'm not talking about Emma. I'm talking about Jennifer Morrison. People speculating, ooh, she's leaving the show. I mean, we do it even, you know what I mean? Because it's natural. She's in the business. She knows it's part of the game, and so do we. It's not necessarily the part that everybody likes. It's just the part that we accept. But imagine, like, living your life that way and having all of your friends and family on a plane ride and for you to see them because you love them so much. You go on 100 flights a year because that's how much you care about other people and wanting to give them a piece of yourself still in addition to having all of these people 
who don't know you wanting to take your picture and talk to you and stop you and touch you. That's a lot for somebody to go through for a really long time. So when I say that I took myself out of the equation, I did. Because this is not about me. And really it's not about us either. Which brings me to my final point. The main point of Emma's story was that she wrote basically her own happy ending and figured it out on her own. Nobody saves her but her, right? Okay. I used to always say, and I have said many times, that this show and Emma Swan saved my life because it's true. If you don't know the story behind that, you're welcome to go to my blog and read all about it in an article called Meeting Jennifer Morrison. So zachvan.blogspot.com. Have at it. Or blogger.com, whatever it is. Look it up. But it's called Meeting Jennifer Morrison. If the whole point of her story and the whole thing that we admire her for is being her own hero, right, and nobody saves her but her, then a lot of us identify with that part. Then, for me, I can only speak for me. All it really means for me is that I is that Emma's departure means that it's time for me to start moving my ass and working towards my passion and the happy beginning, haha, that Emma inspired, that her entire story has been about. Because here's the thing, too, right? For all of us who have been inspired by her or the show in some way, just think about this, right? Like, I implore you, think about it this way. Whether Emma is on the show or not, you still have everything that she inspired in you. It's all there inside. The song has been there the whole time. And everything that you do, if you write something, if you make something, if you go to college, if you change your career path, if you move to a new city, if you pursue something that people say is totally impossible, or even if you just stay home and work at your regular job and you're happy with your nine-to-five living in middle America or whatever. All of that, your entire life, will always include some piece of what Emma's story taught you. And it's true for me as well. Everything that I do and write and make and direct and create and dream up and paint and whatever some of that's always going to include the, a piece of the confidence that Emma Swan gave me. So she's always going to be there. She's always going to be with you. Take the character with you and do something with it. You don't need to see her every week. You don't need to save her anymore. You just need yourself. You can be enough. Her job here is done. It's time for the ugly ducklings to fly. And whether you call yourself one or not, or whether you use the hashtag in social media, anybody who identifies with Emma in even the slightest way is a little bit of an ugly duckling. So it's time to fly, everybody. That's my new perspective. That is a perspective that I hope some of you will consider as you're listening to this and maybe apply to your own life. Because that's the positive way to look at it, and I think that that's the way that 
Emma Swan would want you to live. And that's what I have to say about it. Much more articulate than I was about this. Well, you know, sometimes I write things. That's what I do. <laughs> I write and I talk about things. Um, okay. So, having said all that, next week's episode is called The Final Battle. Two hours long. Written by Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Part one was directed by Steve Perlman. Part two is directed by Ralph Hemmaker. Um, and Ash, if it's all right with you, I think we can forego the con update this week in favor of moving the show along to the talking points because we're, um, we're already through the first hour. <laughs> sure. There's just one thing I want to say because there really hasn't been a con update since last week. But I do want to say as part of Jen's statement, she did mention that she wants to continue to make appearances as, at cons as her professional schedule allows. So even with her not being a part of a show, she still wants to make appearances and meet fans. But again, we have to be mindful as her professional schedule allows. We've already seen that sometimes the professional schedule and the convention schedules don't really align with, you know, with the recent cancellations and all that. And that is understandable because obviously, you know, your job comes first. It Unfortunately, that's the case. But I just, yeah, did want to make a note that she will be, uh, she's mentioned she wants to to continue to do convention appearances. And I, I, I appreciate that. So, yeah, but we can definitely forego the convention update this week since, yeah, not a lot has, I don't think anything has changed, really. Nothing's really been updated. Crack on to this episode, huh? Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm eating Rocky Road. Um, okay. I'm jealous. I need ice cream. <laughs> Dude, I forgot until, like, the other day that Rocky Road is from the Frozen storyline, and that's why it's a, it's a once-or food. I oh, my God. I, I forgot until now. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched any of the old episodes for over a year. So, yeah. I need to do a big you old actually, The last time I did a rewatch was when I was recovering from my surgery. So, yeah, I haven't done it in over a year either. I think whatever happens next Sunday, I'm probably honestly going to just crack on Netflix and start over. Start from the beginning. Do the whole thing, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. All right, so here we go. This episode is called The Song in Your Heart, written by David Goodman, David H. Goodman, and Andrew Chambliss. It was directed by Ron Underwood. I fucking loved it. Ashley, what did you think? I really enjoyed it. I had a couple of, of, of like, really minor issues. Um, and, you know, I'll just lay them out here because they're really not that important. My two hang-ups with the episode were the pacing because I felt like it was very quick. I felt like we were rushing from song to song. I mean, we had, what, eight numbers, really technically seven because they, they put the queen sings seven. as a number. They put the queen sings as a number, but it flows right into uh, Love Doesn't Stand a Chance. Love Doesn't so, Stand a Chance. Uh, I kind of consider those two numbers, even though they're two separate entries on the soundtrack. 
Um, but it felt very much like we were like buzzing from one to the other to get them all in. I mean, we've got seven musical numbers in 42 minutes, like, damn. That and the very weak plot reasoning for having like Hook and Zelina both have a song. However, those being both of my favorite songs, like there was, there was obviously, there was a way that you could have had things happen in the plot that you could have not involved Hook and you could have not involved Zelina, even though it makes sense because both of them were kind of plotting and doing their thing while the Snow Charming Evil Queen story was going on, as we've learned from a multitude of flashbacks. But those two songs were my favorite songs, so I'm also kind of like, meh, all right, whatever. Like, I'm... I'm not, like, super angry about it. Like, I'm not like, why the hell is Zelina here? Like, no. I'm like, yes, more Zelina, please. Come come hither. Um, but I, I agree with you, Zach. I, and I was such a grumpy Gus about the idea of having a musical. Like, I, I will fully admit that. I was like, mm, this is gonna, this isn't going to work. I don't like it. No, I'm no, no fun ever. But it was fun. I was campy. It, the music was fantastic um, for the most part. I have one song that I don't like, and I'm probably going to get like shit for it, but whatever. But yeah, I what I did not stop grinning watching the episode, though. Like I thoroughly enjoyed myself, and I felt because one of my things that I was really worried about was that well, a musical episode is going to completely throw off the pacing of the season. Like, what is going to happen? But I felt like this was perfectly placed and how it fed into the final battle because I legit forgot about the impending threat until the clock tower started to chime. And I was like, oh, crap, that's right. I Like, the, the, the dawning realization on the townspeople's faces was mine as well. Like, I was just like, oh, crap, you know? Um, so yeah, so I think that they, it was a very well executed musical episode, particularly because they had original songs. I mean, we've seen musical episodes to varying degrees of success on other shows. Uh, obviously Buffy is one, but, um, I actually never saw that one, but I've seen the Grey's Anatomy musical episode, which used music, you know, did covers. And then you had the... (laughs) The Fringe music episode, which I, Brown Betty, which I forgot about until like last week, um, which doesn't mix, well, no, that, that's all covers as well. And, you know, very degrees of reception, but on the whole, I feel like this was very well received and for good reason. And I think they really achieved something special by bringing to life songs that fit the characters so well. And that's actually something that I haven't really spoken on. Um, when talking about this with other people or writing reviews or anything, is that how well each song really fits their characters. Um, Not only in terms of lyrics, but just like the general tone, the instrument used, how rock and roll or not rock and roll it was. Do you know what I mean? Like they all like you, you hear the music and you go, ah, okay. Clearly, you know, that's Regina. Oh, definitely, definitely hook. Uh, particularly, you know, Snow and Charming's like that, they couldn't sing any other songs. That is so them. Um, so, yeah, why don't we, I think we're just going to jump into each musical number. What do you, do you want to go first, Zach? Because I, I know you, you really enjoy uh, the first number. 
I really do. Um, I also was smiling the whole time that I was watching the episode, but I was drunk. Um, so I'm sure that colored it, but I'm I was also so, having a kick-ass time. so jealous I wasn't able to hang with the rock opera folks because obviously there was, there was also, you know, there was another layer of that with, you know, having been such a fan and seen the rock opera before the musical episode. So I felt like I would have been super biased against it, but I wasn't against or biased against the musical episode. And I wasn't, I, I enjoyed, they're very much two different things. So I enjoy them each as their own thing. It's like chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream. Um, but it would have been very interesting to, you know, hang with that crew and kind of experience the musical for the first time that way. Hmm. Well, um, if you lived here, you could. Um, so that's for another podcast. Um, yeah. So okay, authorize. Uh, cool. Just download the music. Um, sorry. I really do love the first song, "Powerful Magic." I thought that of all the songs of the episode, that one was. The most Disney. If that makes sense. Well, wait, why don't why don't we really quick? Why don't we say what our favorite songs were? I mean, I think we kind of already did, but also what songs didn't hit with us? Because I'm kind of interested to know which was your least favorite. So obviously, Powerful Magic I think is your favorite, and Wicked Always Wins is yep. mine. And for me, yep. Love Doesn't Stand a Chance is my least favorite. What was yours? I put this on Twitter actually. Um. So let me check so I don't betray myself. Um, let's I, was, see. I, I definitely ranked them on my Twitter. And there was like no response. And I was like, hmm, I might have, you know, rattled a few cages there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I said my least favorite song was actually The Queen Sings, if we're going to call that a separate number. Yeah. I think we should. Just... Um, so. Yeah, the queen sings like that one. But see, here's the thing. I liked all of them. Well, that's the thing. It's like which one I liked the least. Exactly. Um, And the queen sings for me was just the one that I was kind of like, eh. Um, But yeah. And then, well, here's here's my list. My list is Powerful Magic, Wicked Always Wins, which really those two go back and forth, if I'm honest, because... Those are the two that I just sing my heart out to in the car. Um, And then Emma's theme, Love Doesn't Stand a Chance, A Happy Beginning, Revenge is going to be mine, and The Queen Sings. That's my list. You're going to make me look at my list, too, so I don't betray myself. Mm -hmm. I think I can do it from memory. I think I would, and if I was wrong, if I'm swapping things, because a lot of it's really close. Like, it is, it's varying degrees. It is, yeah. Um, and, and, And I definitely was going by, again, like, what songs am I, like, singing like, you know, playing while I'm making my dinner and things like that. But for me, my favorite was um, Wicked Always Wins, and then I think Revenge is going to be mine. Um, just because I thought that that was, and we're, we'll, we'll get into that when we talk about that song specifically, but I thought that was a very wise choice to kind of, like, be the first song slash performance that they uh, gave, not just, you know, because a lot of these songs, like, We'll, we'll, we'll get into that when we when we get into the, the specific songs. So anyway, we can always win. 
Uh, Revenge is going to be mine. Um, Emma's theme. Um, I think then I put Powerful Magic. Oh, Happy Beginning. Yeah, Powerful Magic, Happy Beginning. And they're, like, tied for me. Um, And then I think Queen or Love Doesn't Stand a Chance and the Queen Sings. I think that was what the order I had. So it's kind of similar to yours. I think we... Yeah, we agree on we agree on Emma's theme and a a happy beginning on those placements. Otherwise, um, we were all different because I mean, yeah, I love God. I loved Wicked Always. I can't wait to talk about that one. Um, But yeah, okay. Um, Magic. (laughs) mm -hmm, I also thought that it was appropriate that they started out the episode and the musical and everything with Snow and Charming because. First of all, like Snow White was the first movie, and you know what started with their story and with the show. You know, like it's all about Snow White and performing, so they need to be first. Um, and I have notes. Number one, when Snow says, um, "Oh dear, there's something wrong," like that. Okay. Well, on the wrong, there's such there's a little vibrato and a little bit of a trill that they put on her voice that. Um, Yes, there it is. Bird. Um, yeah. Oh my, oh my dear. There's so, which is funny because I'm interpreting that to be wrong. like, oh, like oh my dear, like oh my dear, like the animal. Oh my dear. <laughs> oh my Bambi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's what I was thinking that it was. Um, I may be wrong there. So I may be wrong. Found, anyways. What, when she does that, yeah, there's something wrong. It sounds just like the animated Snow White is the main point that I'm trying to make there. So if you go back and listen to it with your headphones on, you'll definitely hear that. Um, let's see. View large icon. Okay. And um, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else, guys? Um, I love Josh's entrance. I thought it was Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I love Ginny, but Josh is the best part of that. Just like... He yes. solidified his place as a Disney prince with this song, just like, soaring from my throat. Well, up on the bedpost, it's just like that was <laughs> just him, like boom, kicking in the door well, practically. Like, be like <laughs> when I heard the beginning where he is like, um, you know, oh, <laughs> and then he just burst <laughs> open with the door. He's like, what's going on? I was like, this is, I seriously thought to myself, like, I even, I might have said it out loud. No, because I was singing, but I was thinking to myself, this really is the best fucking entrance I've ever seen him have. Like, this is just the most amazing thing ever. And I totally, <laughs> by the way, want to see Josh Dallas on Broadway now. Anytime, anywhere, anything, as long as it's a musical and that man is singing in that tenor voice to me. I'm perfectly okay with that anytime because, um, damn, that man can sing. And also, too, P.S., by the way, not at all Once Upon a Time related, but if you haven't seen the lip sync battle video of homeboy Tom whatever who plays Spider-Man getting it down and throwing down, is he? oh, my God, go watch it. He's got some moves, too. Anyways, Tom um, Holland? let's see. Tom Holland, thank you. Yes, him. Um, let's see what else. Hmm. What else? What else? It's it's worth it, I promise, because he's doing Umbrella by Rihanna, and I can't believe that kid can dance like that. Um, then again, I, not it's not like I know him or anything, so how the hell would I know? But anyways, um, yeah, I really just thought that it was the most Disney song. It's just super catchy. Um, 
I I knew that I was going to love it when we saw the promo last week where we just always caught was love is the most powerful magic of all. Like, I knew I was going to love it then. And then when we actually heard it, I loved it even more. Um, and the fact that they were dancing and jumping up on the, you know, like the little chest of drawers on the I was, oh, my God, I was just loving it. Like, I love musicals anyway. I love musical theater. I did it a bunch when I was younger in school. So I was totally into it and, and just loved it. And, oh, yeah, I thought it was great. Just adored it. Powerful magic of all. Okay. Um. Let's see what else. The next song on the hit list. Wait, wait, wait. I I have I have thoughts on powerful magic. Oh, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. You're right. You do. Go ahead. Well, first off, I this is powerful magic had the start. Well, first off, it was a very essential song. It was kind of an info dump, like okay, so this is what the singing's gonna do. It's going. It's weaponized love. This is how we're gonna take down the evil queen. But it didn't. I didn't feel like a chore to listen to. It was catchy enough and it was light enough that you did like you're getting all this information, but you're not feeling like all right, all right, all right. Like okay, you're you're pretty much unpacking the whole episode. Like it didn't feel like a strain to like get all that information in in like three minutes. Um, I this is the start and Revenge is gonna be mine kind of carries along in it where it, once upon a time hit the happy medium in regards to leaning on the fourth wall and being, you know, the characters' reactions mid singing because if they reacted too much or if they're too self referential, it would have come off very snarky and unpleasant and it would have taken me out of out of everything. And if they completely ignored the fact that they were singing, excuse me, it would have gotten to be too campy. And it would have felt, it would have made the songs feel very separate to the plot. So with Snow realizing she's singing and Charming kind of being like, what's going on? But this is awesome. It hit a very good balance in that I found. Um, I think it was you who told me, who mentioned me. It sounded very enchanted, um, where you have people kind of reacting to what it would be like being in a musical in real life. Um, I love that it was a duet. I love the fact that you know we didn't get a solo Snow White song. I think that was very fitting for the fact that they're of the message of the song and. I think that, it, like, I agree with you. It was a very good way of kind of kicking. I mean, cause five minutes in, and it's like, boom, okay, singing. And it was a very good way to kind of kick off the tone of the entire musical, where, like, this is going to be big. We're, we're running around on the furniture, and we're, we're singing our hearts out, and this is, this is the scope of what we have going on. So that's what I think about that. Okay. Um, sorry, I just read some interesting news. Uh, okay, it's not. It's it's political. Anyways, um, let's um, see. No, I don't think about that. Don't want to think good. about that. Um, let's see. The next song was the Queen Thing slash Love Doesn't Stand a Chance. Um, definitely prefer the Love Doesn't Stand a Chance more because I think that the lyrics are super fun. Um. And actually, too, I and I mean, if I'm honest, 
I love Love Doesn't Stand a Chance the most because I love it when she says, now, now that little bitch is going to wish she never, ever knew me. Now that little bitch will wish. And I was like, whoa, they really let her go there. <laughs> she gets she gets to say bitch the most. I feel like it's like only Regina can say the word bitch. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, like fillet the bitch, that remember funny. that? Yeah, so, well, she's the only one who's ever said it. Like, maybe Emma has mm-hmm. said it. Emma may have said it. Oh, yeah, she did, because she said it's storming like a bitch. Where is it in the in the season one finale? Oh. She's almost like, well, storm like a bitch. Oh, I love that line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I love that. So that's why I like that song the most. And um, just, I mean, I like the fact that Regina had a number, but there was something about it that just seemed off. In my opinion, it was because her song was very, and when I say her song, I mean Love Doesn't Stand a Chance, because I'm going, I'm just putting it out here. I did not like The Queen Sings, and it was pointed out to me, actually by Aaron, that the music doesn't sound like it should have been sung to. Like, it sounds like somebody was trying to put lyrics onto a, a, a theme song for uh, a movie or something like if you're trying to sing along to the Jurassic Park theme and it's just kind of like going up and down and kind of going in a weird place like if you were to put words to this song it kind of sounds really weird when you do that you know what I mean um mm-hmm. so we can kind of we can kind of put the queen things <laughs> like kind of however I do like that it included, you know, little cameos from the kingdom getting in on the singing act, particularly the fact we got to hear Beverly Elliott sing, because Beverly Elliott is an amazing mm. singer. And so, mm. yes, yay for Granny singing. But on the whole, that little, what was it, like a minute, a minute and a half, maybe even, not even two, uh, not not feeling it. But the, the thing with Love, Sons, and a Chance that, like, I... I Listening to kind of the soundtrack is where it, it sounded. You, you could, um, sorry, I'm talking so fast because I'm excited about this. Listening to the actual soundtrack as opposed to the episode, you could hear it more. Her song is much more rock and roll, which is very befitting of Regina and the Evil Queen's attitude. But none of the other songs had that much of a rock quality. So it makes it kind of stand out as like the odd man out to me. And so it, it's, it sounds like it belongs in a different musical almost. And that's, I think that's what, because it's, uh, what, what, it's Powerful Magic, Queen, and then Revenge is going to be mine, which it does have kind of like a Queen slash Sea Shanty type of thing, but it's much more musical theater. So I feel like, Mm-hmm. Sandwiching the Queen sings between two songs that kind of sound very much more theatrical makes it kind of mm-hmm. pop out a bit more in kind of a weird way. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, I feel like Lana was trying to sing in her evil Queen voice, which is a lot lower. And I don't know if that was very easy for her because it didn't sound easy. And that's, I mean, I'm not a great singer. You can tell as much as I've been singing on the podcast. So I really can't make a, a significant comment or a fair one on that, but that's just how I heard it. What I'm going back to you, Zach. I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to say. 
um, more about these songs. So I think we're kind of getting more into um, Revenge is going to be mine now, which is so we can just move on into that. Um, let me see. It is very musical theater. You're right. Very much like a sea shanty. Um, I really, I'm glad you said Queen because I totally got a Queen vibe off of that. I know that Lana has said that her song was more like David Bowie meets Queen. I actually got more Queen off of Hook's song than I did um, the other ones, especially because, as Aaron pointed out, the guitar and the pianos are harmonizing, which is um, very much a Queen staple um, signature move. So, um, yeah, I, I really, and mind you, I didn't want to like the song because of my general animosity towards Hook, but when I saw that it was going to be him <laughs> as a pirate singing in the past when he was still a villain, I was kind of like, okay. And then when I saw the whole thing play out, I really enjoyed it because, as I said last week, I really like villainous Hook. I like piratey Hook. I don't like lovesick puppy Hook. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I come from on that. So, But I thought it was great. Um, I And I obviously think that, you know, since Colin has a band and sings all the time, that it, I would imagine that he probably had the easiest go of it, figuring out the right key, you know, to sing in and, you know, working with the composers to figure out the song. Like, I'm sure that for him, he probably had a much more um, in-depth um creative process maybe than some of the other cast members, not only because of his prior experience. Um, I would mm. say maybe the same thing might be true of Jen because she was in marching band when she was younger and her dad is a band teacher. So, yeah. Um, so there's that. But anyways, um, I really liked Hook's song a lot. Um, like a lot. And even now I like it because I, the part that I love the most is the reprise or whatever whatever that, that section of a song is called, where he goes, once I step for horizon, where I might find happiness waiting until uh, that cross destroyed my life uh, and left me with hate on abating. On abating. Like, it's just so good. Like, that's just such a clever lyric that I can't help but be like, yeah, okay, like, you win. Um, it's like he flirts with it being, well, not he, but it's like the, the composers flirted with it being almost a patter song where it has a very, mm-hmm. like, it's very whippy lyrics that kind of, like, they all clip yes. out yes. so quickly. that And that's what makes it catchy because, like, I, I, I briefly mentioned to be earlier in the podcast, I thought it was a very wise choice to make this the first um, song we saw in full with a performance. And mm. poor, I mean, first of all, poor Colin, because he was wearing a boot in Vancouver because he broke his foot with, like, climbing all over <laughs> that uh, the, the tables and everything. He broke his foot in rehearsal. Um, So, which should make sense, though, because I could totally see you taking a derf if, like, you were, uh, which I know isn't a real <laughs> phrase. It's something taking my mother said. I don't even, want, I don't even like want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> Is that like pulling a Monica? I, I if that's a friends reference, I don't get it because I actually don't care for friends, but Oh God. Someone help me. Bex, help me. All right. Um <laughs> It wasn't my thing. It was like you were either like a Seinfeld, a Simpson, or a Friends fan. I don't know anybody who's fans of all three. Oh my god, no. Bex, help me. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but what I was what, you. But what I was getting to with that though is that I feel like it was it was a song that didn't reveal too much of the plot, and it was a song that was it catchy like I didn't really want to have hook song beat grasp me as much as it did but but by the very end of of seeing the video I was singing from Ben hello it's Rebecca all right (laughs) back we'll talk about we're getting to your musical number in a minute (laughs) calm down calm down Zelina get on your broom sorry oops oops sorry flavor flav um, that's a rock opera. <laughs> um, um, shit, what was I saying? Oh, that it was, it, by the end of it, I was singing, revenge, revenge, revenge is gonna be mine. And I'm pretty sure I called you on the phone and sang that, and you were like, shut up. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, um, it does, it does, it did definitely have, like, like, especially that slide in the beginning, like, was like, boo. My dear, blah blah blah, whatever he says. I'm so not good with lyrics. Um, My dear yeah, prince that, that, princess, your your offer is meaningless. Don't give a damn about your rank. La la la. Um, but that guitar slide right at the beginning is very clean. Like it sounds, it sounds like they're they put different words on um somebody to love. That's what I, I hear in my head, and I kind of slide between the two. But it definitely, you know, with the yo ho and 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 the pirate chorus. It definitely had more of a, a sea shanty vibe to it as well. <laughs> My dear friends and princess, your offer is meaningless. Don't give a damn Don't about your rank. your rank. The gold in your sack, well, it isn't worth well, it. Is and what's I should make you fools go off the plank. Go off the plank. You reach as- that bit, like that, 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 that squeal of the guitar is definitely somebody to love to me. Like, don't you want somebody to love that? No, no, That's queen. No, queen. Where it's like, uh, somebody, oh, somebody, can anybody find me? me. Somebody, to love. somebody to love. Yeah, okay. Some revenge to love. Yeah. Yep, I got it. Um, okay. Think about it. So, yeah, so what? what's the next song on the lineup? The next song on the Lunar is <laughs> I'm waiting for it. You didn't have a cute up. I know, but I, I know, but I just love that we both started laughing and then laughing, and then we both went to the evil laugh at the same time. <laughs> like... It's like that scene from Austin Powers. <laughs> it really was. It really was. That was just great. Um, so the next song was um, called, like, Wicked Always Wins or something. And Wicked Always I, Wins. Which is so good. It's so good. I fucking love it so much. Um, it, it, it's, just oh. a, it's just a big Broadway ballad where she's, like, singing her heart out. And she's got her arms open to the world. And she's like, love me, everyone. Look out how fucking fantastic I am. And I'm just like, I'm here for it, Bex. All of it. Suck it, like, Mom! Keep <laughs> right. Like, it's because it's literally a song where she's so pleased as punch and so genuinely thrilled that her sister is fucking miserable. Like, I just love it. 
I, I absolutely love that that's what it's about. Like, the whole thing oh, is just about totally. her being like, yeah, fuck that bitch. Like, and, uh, and the fact that the, the music is so, like, grandiose and it's very wicked. It's very alphabet. But the fact that it, mm. that it kind of hides the lyrics a little. <clears throat> so you don't, you know, if mom could see me now, <laughs> that line always makes me laugh because you're like, you're like, oh, and you're like, wait a minute. She's thinking, she's thinking about her mommy issues. And she's like, Suck at Rumple, suck at Regina, suck at Cora. You know, I'm flying in tomorrow. My sister filled with sorrow. It's like, here, let me drink your tears, sister. Um, I'm having a great time here. It's it's hysterical. It's hysterical with how much gusto she it happens. And I think it has some of the most fun choreography, like that bit um right before she gets her broom where she kind of turns. The camera jumps behind her and she kind of turns to kind of face it and keeps going I love I I don't know what it is about that that little bit but I absolutely love it and obviously we're back in Oz and I love the way Oz looks but Mm. there's something about I I I love that it drops to a bit quieter and softer when she goes oh evil may be powerful but wicked always wins there's something and I was really flat there I could feel it I apologize, audience. You were close. But you were close. Nah. And that's the thing, you know, I take everything I say with a grain of salt because I, 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 I don't want to lean on this, but having hearing loss, I can't always hear myself singing. I can feel it, though. <clears throat> so it's like, ooh, Ashley, no, why? No, you I were a great. No, you don't. You were, a, you were closer than you think, I think. But, yeah, go yeah, on. You're very kind. But, anyway, um, that bit always gives me a little bit of a chill, especially at the end when she's like, what does she say? My my sister's uh, her happy. Oh, this is her happy ending will be mine. Wicked always wins. There's something about like that, just kind of dropping into kind of a whisper, like you're like in a secret. That it's just like ooh. And jumping back actually to Revenge is always gonna be mine. <laughs> there is no. There is something about having that soundtrack in the background. Where we, we where the revelation when you see Snow and Charming realize that he said Dark One and they're like no we have the Dark One, and Hook goes bloody hell with something with the music playing in the background makes it a moment, and without it it wouldn't it would have been like oh yeah no duh you guys know each other but there's something with the music kind of ramping up while they're having this revelation that also kind of gives me a little thrill because it's like yes yes destiny and then finish your rum and go kick some ass, so I. Those two songs are the only ones I think that really, well, that's not true, but I, they give me that little bit of a, a chill, but I honestly have not stopped singing Wicked Always Wins since the soundtrack dropped, and I have to hand it, I did not know Rebecca Mater had these pipes on her. Uh, right. I, I knew a lot of people had some sort of musical chops in their background, but she really liked jumped in both feet and I have to applaud her for that because I think it was fantastic. So Ashley enjoyed it y'all in case you didn't know. No, um, I hated it. No, <laughs> really, really? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. Um, now here's there is one part the the part that I there are two different parts to this that I really loved. The part where she says, um, 
Oh, God. I'm going to sing these out of order because I can't quite remember the melody for the first part. But the part where she goes, um, when uh, when he learns the spell is mine, oh, Rumpel, he will see. He should have chosen me. Me. The way that the orchestra is just kicks in, it's like, dun, 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 dun. Like, I just, I was like, this is fucking fan. Like, I felt like I was watching something out of, like, like the time period of the Wiz, like something in like the seventies or something. It's like, oh my god, this is so awesome. Like, I love that. So I love awesome. that part as well. Um, I love that, and then I also love the part where she says, um, um, "I think I know what line you're oh thinking of, but I can't think of how to lead into it." What it's they like, call I, green it? with envy, I just call looking just call good. Looking oh, good, I, so we'll I will fly into tomorrow. My sister, the better day nope. begins. Maybe. Oh, is that the wrong version? Oh no, it is the wrong version. I know. I have see, and that's the thing. I, I, I know. I, I, I messed them up too. Like I did that the other day when we were on the phone. I was like, "You're like, no, it's not right, Ashley." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How dare so, you um, besmirch the wicked witch of the God, you fucking rude ass. So, yeah. Um, and again, anyways, it's like so I, super, it's the plot is so super weak of what she, oh, that's the one thing I do love when she goes, she interrupts herself and has that, wait, why not just revel in her misery oh, yes, when I could oh, yeah. do so much? Oh, yes. It's so ridiculous. It makes me laugh every time. But and the thing is, it's such a weak plot thing to kind of like give her the the tool to defeat the charmings but i don't care yeah i don't care either like i know that there was a lot of like people like when i was watching it live with with aaron and the crew they were like is she going to sing to beat the the black fairy and i was like pretty sure she is going to sing the black to defeat the black fairy and i'm here for it like i'm here for it so um I thought that that was just so cute and, and just so sweet and whatever. And so, mm, her, yeah. Her aside is just, it's just, wait, why not revel in her misery when I could do so no, much no, more? Oh, whatever no, she no, says. no, it's, it's, no, it's, wait, why just revel in her demise when I can use it to my advantage? My advantage. Like, advantage. So yes. why? Advantage. Oh, and that's the thing, like, you can hear Bex's accent, and I absolutely love that when she's like, she took it all for granted. Like, oh. Yeah, because oh, that's what she, that's, yeah, because at the beginning when she says, um, um, finally the moment I was hoping would come, the moment he would realize he chose the wrong one, there isn't any curse I could cost to match this. Like, she says cost and then match. Like, she goes cost. from British to not. So. Well, you often don't hear people's accents when they're singing. This feeling. To pain I knew when Rumpel turned his back on my heart. I'd thought uh-huh. to be Regina's when her life falls apart. Uh-huh. Suddenly the future... You know it better than I do. More appealing. appealing. <sighs> Once I it's was filled with rage. Now I enjoy the ride. It's, it's so, so electrifying. electrifying. Watching all her dreams denied. It's, oh, I, it's the lyrics are oh, so good. Oh. Oh, it's so good. I love fly it. Into, and it's a bit clever. She says, I'll fly into tomorrow because that totally alludes to like time travel. Yeah, like fly into tomorrow, and she's the witch and she flies. Like, 
No, but it's her whole, it's her whole, whole plot to time travel. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was just, it was so great. I, I really, that was one that the music and the lyrics just went together so great. And oh, it was just it, fabulous. It was fabulously executed. I fucking loved it. And, I, and by the time we got to this point in the episode, I was super drunk. I'd had at least two more drinks past where I had been before. So I was like, I remember I was live streaming, and all I remember was that I had the phone sitting directly in front of me because I was singing it, and I was just like, I fucking love this song. I fucking love you, Rebecca Mater. I fucking you love you. You had your Zelina pop in your hand, if you don't recall, because I saw that. I don't recall that. So, yeah. I you did. You had, you had little Zelina there with you. Um, which, by the way, can you look on this? Because somebody told me that on the pop, like, you could see green on her neck where she's starting to, like, get green with envy. Is you that can. true? You can. It's true. Oh, my, okay. It's barely, That's awesome. It's barely there on mine. It's barely there on mine, but it is there. Um, That's awesome. I do want to mention so, yeah. it was very wise, I think, to have Revenge is going to... Finally, the moment I was hoping would come. The moment he would realize he chose the wrong one. There isn't any curse I could cause to match this feeling. The pain I knew went wrong. It's so fucking good. Okay. But I want to say that, really quick, that having mm-hmm. Revenge is going to be mine and Wicked Always Wins as kind of like the middle, uh, the middle musical numbers definitely helped keep the energy rolling in throughout the episode and definitely I think was wise because it left the climactic songs to be very Emma centric. And so I thought that was a good choice to kind Mm -hmm. of put things where they were in the episode. Um, Because, and it's so funny because, and I saw somebody say this on Twitter and it's quite true. It's like flashbacks are like singing and dancing and then super serious (laughs) during the present day, like doom and gloom. Oh wait, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're not. Oh, you know, you're right. We have one more, and it's so easy to forget. I'm actually really surprised they did a reprise, but you're right. We have Charming's versus Evil Queen, which is probably the. Oh, now, sorry. here's what I loved about that. Here's what I love about this, okay? Is that when they show up in the castle and they first started singing that at the very beginning, like they look at each other and then they start singing, Regina's face is just like, are you fucking <laughs> this fucking shit again? Like, she's like, I can't fucking believe this. Like, it's, it's so funny. I fucking, I love it so much. It's just so funny. And then she does her whole thing, telling them about whatever, and then the next thing that happens, oh, God, I hope that, oh, no, it doesn't just pause it. It starts it over. It does. Oh, that's so stupid. Anyways, um, when they kick it in, like, after she does her part, and then they look at it, they look at each other again. They're just like, 
nothing can stop us. No, not anymore. The look on Ginny's face, she is pleased as punch. She's just like, this is the best scene I've ever filmed in my life. <laughs> That's like the look on her face. Because, like, I'm sure that it was her joy at being able to do this scene, but also, like, channeling that into the character and being like, I'm about to be the evil queen, and I'm singing at her, and she hates it. This is awesome. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, the fact that they're having a musical battle, I absolutely love that they, like, they have a sing-off. They have a musical battle. It's hysterical. But also, like, it, it, it kind of sucks that it's a reprise. However, it is probably the... One of the, aside from Emma's theme, the and Powerful Magic, the only real song to have, like, super effect on the plot. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't a song for song's sake. Like, they had to battle. And it would have been a sin to have this episode and not have them go head-to-head. You know what I mean? Right. Um I, yeah, I, I just, I love the whole thing. But here's the part that really cracks me up, too, is that after she stole their voices with Zelina's magic Ursula box, um, which was, I, that's all I got from that. I was like, oh, it's like an Ursula reference again, because Regina was also Ursula that one time, and Lana got to play it. So, yeah, um, I, that's what it made me think of at first. Uh, that we'd already seen that. I was like, okay, cool. Like this is like foreshadowing the fact that, you know, or, you know, calling it back to the fact they've done this, whatever the right word is. Um, and then after she takes their voices with snow and charming, go to Zoom again. And they just go, there's a powerful magic. And the first time that I heard that the first, the very first thing I thought of was the exorcist. Cause they're like, it's a, there's a powerful magic, and I was like, and the power of Christ compels you. Like, just, well, they're, kind of, they're trying to exercise her <laughs> demons, so. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the demons. The demons. So, yeah, I was, I, I can't believe it. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Um, and then, of course, back in Storybrooke, what was going on was that, you know, the Black Fury was coming. Super serious doom and gloom because the black fairy is coming and, you know, she, she was already screwing up the wedding. And now we'll get to a point that I said online on the video that I was doing. I did not tweet this, so you may not have seen it, but here's what I'm going to say. I really love Jamie Murray as the black fairy, but her character is a fucking bitch for what she did to Snow White's wedding dress. Oh, I know. And at I least mean, now we know why she didn't get married in that dress. But I do think that there's a certain poetry between having Emma in her mom's wedding dress because the dress has white feathers on it and her name is Emma Swan and, you know, swans are white and white feathers and, and you know, things of that nature. So I thought that it would have been so poetic and appropriate for them to um, put her in that dress and at least let us see it, like, at least... I would I would pay I would pay whatever's on Trump's taxes to be able to see Emma in the wedding dress just once to have seen Jennifer Morrison wearing that dress just one time without me having to Photoshop it like I would I like think, to have seen it just once. I think it would have been more chilling if she had ran to try it on, walked into the room, and then it turned black while she was wearing it. Like, we would have been like, exactly. oh, she's wearing
wearing the dress, and then, oh, my God, what's happening? Yeah, it's like, oh, she's wearing the, oh, my God, no! Like, yeah. Exactly, exactly, um, like, oh! And again, about the dress, too. Uh, no, you know what? I'm not talking about the dress, because we've already talked about the dress. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, that, then we get, so, Major Doom and Gloom is happening in Storybrook. Henry, and all of his angst, has thrown the storybook on the floor and found the page that shows Blue Fairy putting all of the songs into Emma's heart so that she would have them one day when she needed them. Um, so it's the Blue Fairy's I was about to say it's the Blue Fairy's fart, excuse me. It's the Blue Fairy's fault once again. Um, what does that sound like, I wonder? Probably meddling, meddling. Sound of scheming gas. No, no, no. When blue farts, it just goes shade. 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 That's Yoda. Yeah, that's totally Yoda. Shady you are. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, But, yeah, so then it came to that part. And so Major Doom and Gloom, Emma, you know, went to the mayor's office because that's where the Black Fairy was waiting for her curse to strike at six. And well, basically, she, I mean, she, what she was doing was, I, 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 I do appreciate the fact that Emma wasn't waiting for the Black Fairy to get her. She was like, all right, you don't, you want my heart, you want to take it, come and get it. Like, I'm, I'm here, and I'm going to you know, stand up for my family and everything. And I, I like that. I don't know. I mean, it was very sad, but I, I did like that she was kind of went there and was like, all right, fine, take my heart. You know, let's end this. This is for them. But that's when Henry rushes in with, you know, I, I And I like that, okay, Henry's figuring everything out. Henry's tied to the book. I feel like, obviously, you know, we've been kind of working on that all season. So it's it's going to definitely play a major part in the finale. And from what we've seen in the promos, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But we'll talk about that in a sec because we've got a couple – got two, two more songs to talk about? Two. Two. So – Emma shows up, and she it's basically Harry going to meet Voldemort in the forest. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, she goes to sacrifice herself, and the Black Fairy takes the heart, but it just won't die, and she wants to know why. And then Henry arrives to let her know there's a reason why. And then it launches into it. First of all, it's incredibly appropriate that they set the tune of Emma's song to the theme song of the music. I thought that was great. I also love the fact that they put a little scene of McKenna Grace, who plays young Emma, um, in there, like doing the little recording on the scene, because it actually made me think of that scene from Awake when they were looking through the door. Um, mm. And I was like, oh, like, what if that was, like, right around the same time? Um, so I really liked that. And then she just went into it, and Jen's voice, my God, is just angelic. It sounds like just glass. Like, it was just amazing. Um, it was it was incredible. It, yeah. And then uh, she put so much, like, just power in her emotion, like, 
in her performance, I was, oh, it was that, so good. And then when, it, oh. Go ahead. I, I just want to well, say this like, is definitely a like, song that, this is definitely a song that is, has more power as a performance as opposed to just listening to it on the soundtrack. Like now that we yes. know what it looks like when Emma Swan with tears in her eyes and a red jacket on is standing up to the Black Fairy for her family, that makes it much more enjoyable to listen to on the soundtrack. But seeing that for the first time, it was just like, wow, you know? And I think it's really appropriate that she had a more serious song just because of what was going on in the situation. As much fun as it would be to see Emma, you know, dance around and, and, you know, have a crazy rock number, it wouldn't, it would take me out of it. Because, I mean, Emma has happiness, but I don't think she's the kind of person that would, she's not the most joyful person, which it sounds like a bad thing to say, but, like, really, I feel like, the level of energy was perfect for what she had to do and it being in the real world as well. Like it was a much more grounded song and, and that just, all of it just worked for me. Mm. <sighs> I love the little refrain or whatever, where she says, once upon a time, the song inspired them be brave. They gave me up because my fate was as the one who'd save the world from your dark magic and the wicked things you do. They mm. put a song inside my heart more powerful than you. Powerful than you. And then the music just swells. Oh, yeah. Da, 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 da. Yep, I was just like, and she shot the magic, and Henry's like, keep going, you're getting, you know. And then she won, and then Fiona poofed away anyway. And, Are yeah. You- you you know what? I honestly I didn't realize that she was singing along to the the end credits theme until I think you pointed out to me when we were when the soundtrack came out. But uh, I um I want to say I know it's retroactive, but knowing that that's the song that Charming and Snow gave to Emma, now every time as I do a rewatch and I hear the that song go over the credits. It does feel like Emma was never alone. You know what I mean? That song has been so present in the show for six seasons that it was a really, really, just really good choice of using that as the song that is that has been with Emma forever. Because it's been with us as the, the viewers forever as well. Mm-hmm. 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 And so... I have something to say about this. One more thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. <sighs> it's literally the swan song. <laughs> Anyways, that wasn't what I was going to say, but I did just think of that. Um I could almost actually cry thinking about this now knowing that Jen's leaving the show and that we all are going to be moving on to better, you know, to better things, new horizons, happy beginnings. Happy beginnings. Now we're all. It's, uh, 
the moment when she said, you've been with me my whole, like you guys were always with me my whole life, was she said that the way that a little kid would say it. Um, that's what I got out of that. She sounded like a little kid. And it was just so sweet. And, yeah. Um, so great. Anyways, a happy beginning, yeah? Yeah. ending to the episode I I love that song for being the final song and I love how it starts slow and there's a duet and quiet and everyone I love 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 that everyone kind of adds in to the song and it's just those ending scenes of them all partying at the wedding and everyone's happy and dancing together and just having a good time I love that so much. I just, that, that's perfect. And it's honestly, so when the clock chimes, see everyone's faces kind of slowly grow serious and they, and they realize, oh, oh crap, you know, because I, I forgot that that was a thing as well, that the, the Black Fairy had been cooking up something in the clock tower. But it, it's just so fitting that that clock tower once again gets destroyed. And, and I was waiting for Grumpy to say his line. Like, if he hadn't said, it's here, I would have been like, you done goofed, guys. You done goofed. But it it was perfect. And just seeing the curse take everyone. But I especially love the, the questioning of where, what, what, you know, where's it going to take us? What's going to happen? And she's like, I don't know, but we're going to beat it. I love that that was kind of what we closed on. I just, I, the more I think about, especially with the finality that we're now dealing with in regards to the show, seeing that celebration really, like, like, warm my heart. It really gives me the happy fuzzies, you know? What about you, Zach? It was bittersweet for me because I always wanted the show to end with Emma getting married, just not to that guy. Because <laughs> again, yeah. I just wanted Emma. I just wanted Emma to have that in life. No, I, I'm not like it's not like a shipping thing, and I don't think that her happy ending has to include a man, or that it necessarily should. I just wanted her to have that part of life that she never had before. So. And I wanted to be with somebody who was fun and funny and made her smile the way that Neil did instead of making her look like she's ready to cry all the time. But anyways, um, I love the fact that they – I love the fact that they had all of the – most of the dwarves there. Um, Mm. One thing made me sad, though. Such a small thing. Um. 
because for, somebody spot check me um, at the end when when as Ashley said, Grumpy is saying the curse is here. That whole bit. Um, they're all in their suits, right? They're all like all of that. They're all dressed up and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just let me play this real quick. Hold on, because I actually have it pulled up, and now I need to before I say it. I just <laughs> want to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. Um, but what got me though was that I really wanted like the vest and the bow ties on the dwarves to match the colors of their animated counterparts. And I don't think they did. It's a small thing. It's one of those I'm not if sure. I had it's, done it. It's kind of a mix and match too, because I think some of them, their vests and bow ties match and some of them they don't. Hmm. Not sure, but I love the fact that the clock tower was involved again. I could roll my eyes about the fact that there's yet another curse, but <laughs> once upon a time, so can I, but built I, on curses. <laughs> I mean, so, so so can I, but like, I mean, you can't get mad anymore. It's such a part no. of the show that it's like, you, you know, there was, I think we're over the hump of getting mad. We're now really like, it's it would be, I would be I'm disappointed. Like, yeah. Cause now it's a thing where it's like, Oh, there's a problem. What is it? I don't know. Probably a curse. Like, I mean, Charming even opened the door and said, what's going on? Someone cast a speller curse. Like, that's part of their <laughs> life. So, you know, I thought that was funny. Um, I also love the fact that Emma said, you know, wherever it is, we're going to win. And I'm glad that you said that, too, because we have a log line for the season ender. We should probably talk about that really quick. We've got uh, ooh, six minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. Here it is. Quote, Henry awakens to a cursed storybook and discovers Emma has been in the mental hospital and the Black Fairy is the new mayor. Henry attempts to help Emma regain her memory while Gold tries to find out what has really happened to Belle. Meanwhile, Snow, Charming, Regina's Lena, and Hook are trapped in a crumbling fairy tale land and desperately try to figure out a way to be reunited with Emma and Henry. Apparently, it will include such guest stars as Jasmine, Aladdin, Tiger Lily, and Violet, among others, as well as Andrew J. West and Allison Fernandez, who are credited simply as young man and little girl. I'm excited because this is the episode that I saw get filmed, uh, part of it get filmed in Vancouver. And some of the folks I hung out with in Vancouver saw a lot more filming, but I I only saw a small piece, and I think I kind of know how it fits in. But I'm excited to talk about that experience in terms of you know, what I saw and what I heard and then what happened on screen. But I, the mental hospital, do you remember that like a million years ago in like end of season one, season two-ish where like there was a big worry that like, oh, is once going to all be a dream and Emma's going to wake up in the jail cell in season one and it's going to be like nothing ever happened and they're like, no, we won't do that. Like, I'm not saying that they're doing this now. I just think it's interesting that they are bringing that back as kind of like that's a curse. That's a thing that's, like, negative, that, like, that's a negative hell for Emma to be in, that she imagined all of this. So I think that that's a bit clever. Pictures that I'm looking at are giving me Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2 vibes when she's in that mental mm-hmm. hospital and Henry shows up. So um, there's that. But, uh 
Jamie Murray also looks very happy and pleased with herself. Um, she looks good as Madam Mayor. I'm I'm a little mm-hmm. like she looks good. Mm. <laughs> uh huh. Um, Shut up, you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. So that's what's happening next week. <sighs> two hours. Two hours as well to two unpack hours. all of that. I am I and I love when they do the two hour finales. I love that that's become a thing because it definitely it never feels like it sags in the middle where it could. They definitely yep. pace the two hour finales very well. Yep. Agreed. Um They're like mini movies. Oh God. So, I just want to let everybody know, Tuesday, the 16th of May, is when we will be coming back to the podcast um, at 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern, just like normal. But I also want to let you know that that morning, at 9.30 Pacific Time, 12.30 Eastern Time, it's going to be a phone call. There's going to be a phone call that takes place with some people of the press telling them about ABC's upcoming schedule. And that phone call is happening before the Upfronts presentation. So next Tuesday, before our podcast, we are going to know whether or not the show has been renewed. Oh, God, I didn't even realize that. And that, so that's going to either make next week a really hesitant podcast or a really final podcast so to that end we are still wanting to hear from you guys i've gotten some letters from a couple of our listeners and i also had somebody say that they want to call in next week and speak about it live on the air so excited about that um but if you haven't sent us a letter yet, I would love to hear from you. And just we want to know what Once Upon a Time means to you, what it has meant to you, um, what the potential end of the show could mean. Feel free to tell us your thoughts on Emma if you think that I was wrong or stupid for what I said earlier about it or if you agree with me, um, whatever. But we do want to hear from you guys. The email address is O-U-A-F, as in Once Upon a Fan. Um, O-U-A-F podcast at gmail.com. So please send us an email. We would love to hear it. Those of you who send us letters, we're going to be reading those next week. Um, we're also going to be having somebody joining with us live, and we may be here live with Amy, who is one of our other co-hosts who has not been on this season so far, but she may be joining us next week. I don't know yet. So um, in the meantime, everybody, be brave enough to be yourself and be good to each other. And have a good rest of your week, and we will see you next week on Tuesday. Yes, indeed.